this? Where's all the money? That's as good as money, sir. Those are IOUs. Go ahead and add it up. Every cent's accounted for. Look. See this? That's a car. 275,000. Might want to hang on to that one. You're a dead man. You're a dead man! Welcome to Talking Giants presented by SeatGeek. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Pennick. And the combine is getting started, and so is the episode. And just as it started, it's ended. The Giants are cutting Kenny Galladay. Big surprise. Um, not actually. Justin, how are you? Uh, the Eagles touchdown makes all the money worth it. Correct or incorrect? Unfortunately, incorrect. Um, <laughs> man, this is what a failure. So, you know, they're going to cut him. They're not going to do the, the post June 1st cut, which it would have saved another $6.8 million on the cap this year. But that just pushes more dead cap into the, into 2024, which the Giants aren't in a position where they need to do anything like that. So I'm glad they didn't, but they do free up $6.7 million for this year, which puts them at 51 and a half million. Um, this was a contract, Justin, that two years ago we were celebrating. Like, we had an episode celebrating the signing of Kenny Galladay. Like, we're like, this is what we need, a true wide receiver one. Kenny Galladay was that in Detroit and came here. He was the wide receiver one for the Giants. Not a great wide receiver one for the Giants 2021. You know, we'll, I want to talk about why his 2021 wasn't a total bust. But, I mean, this past year, you got zero out of him. Like, zero. And the only rebuttal to zero would be like he had a block in a playoff game. Like they got, they got absolutely nothing out of him. If, if anything, he was a, he was a net negative when he was on the field because he had a 25% drop rate. Like th- this could not have gone worse. Hum of a contract where it's like the first year it's muddied by bad offensive coordinator, quarterback gets injured. And then second year where it's like you are just a, a useless football player. And I don't think anybody's doing this, but I don't want revisionist history to set in and act like Kenny Galladay was not a really good football player for the Lions when he was healthy and when he was on the field. And that was just the that was the thing. And that was the Achilles heel is that not even that Kenny Galladay missed a lot of games during his Giants career. It's just we're going to find out a year from now or two or whatever what happened with Kenny Galladay and what happened with that hip. Like there's going to be something that's going to come out. Uh, Of course, it couldn't have come out when he was actually in the locker room, but something had to happen, whether it's the offseason, like last year, where they were checking out his hip so much. When he got the surgery on the hip, I I think the hip just did him in because he could not get off the line of scrimmage. No. And and there will be talks about, well, this guy was a contested catch guy. He wasn't just a contested catch guy with the Lions. He was just a great contested catch guy. You know, that's where he was like, that's where he set himself apart from other wide receivers. But he was not like, go watch, go watch the film breakdown on him. I did a matchup of him versus James Bradbury. Um, you know, with Bradbury's with Carolina. He did, he had some contested catches in that game, no doubt, but he won in a lot of different ways. And like he was, like he was able to beat guys deep, not just win. Like he was able to burn them. You know, he had a seventy-five yard touchdown from David Blau in Detroit because he, you know, he burnt a guy on the post. And you know, he was actually a solid. He was a solid wide receiver in two thousand twenty-one. You know, he, he led the Giants from receiving, only had a five hundred twenty-one yards when he was playing with Daniel Jones. Like he had solid numbers. You know, he had 30, 23 catches, three hundred seventy-two yards, a sixteen and a half percent catch rate, which all good number. He solid, good catch rate, solid numbers for um, you know, just like volume. Like you considered like the Jason Garrett offense that did not use him to his best. Like uh, at a full season, that put him at fifty-six catches and nine hundred three yards, which again is not great wide receiver numbers. But you don't look at that like that's a bad wide receiver. Not what you signed him for, but that's that's not a bad wide receiver. When, especially when, again, you you put in the play that they did not use him to his strengths, and then you lose Daniel Jones for half the season almost. Yeah, I feel like that, that Cowboy game, for a lot of different reasons, Daniel Jones gets concussed but doesn't get concussed, and that's the game where Saquon goes down, and I think that's the game where Galladay like, goes down yeah, too. Yeah, Galladay got the MCL injury in that game. So Galde was doing most of his damage from like the 10 to 19 yard mark through the first four or five games of that 2021 season. And it was good damage. And, you know, even remember the Saints game where 
He had like a lot of yards after the catch on some opportunities where, you know, he, I think he ran over like a really good yeah, safety. Yeah, he had that slant where he just broke through a tackle and turned into like a 30-yard gain. Yeah, and even and even against the Falcons 2021, he puts his shoulder down and gets an, a couple extra yards. So Kenny Galladay, for what he was being asked to do, throughout, and this is crazy, you know, we're not saying throughout an entire season, we're saying through the first four games of a season, through the first four or five games of 2021, the wide receiver that he was asked to be was a solid wide receiver in a very, very bad Jason Garrett offense. Um, and for whatever reason, after those first four or five games, we didn't even get that version of Kenny Galladay back, let alone the 2018 2018- 2018 2019 version of Kenny Gall. They didn't even get anything near that. We didn't even get close to the 2020. Remember the Freddie Kitchens game with Daniel Jones? Like he had three catches for almost 60 yards. Um, Daniel Jones missed him on a slant, which would be another, tw- you know, catch in a 12 yards. And then they threw him, um, uh, uh, I think they threw him two or three end zone fades. One drew a pass interference, I believe, and the other were just badly placed by Daniel Jones. Like that was how to use Kenny Galladay, and they were going to do that, and then Daniel Jones gets injured, and it's like, oh god, this is this the season just spiraled out of control with Mike Lennon and Jake Fromm um, throwing the ball. Where Jake Mike Glennon would literally just like throw up ducks to Kenny Galladay. Where it's like, okay, this is not how you use him. You got to put some velocity on the ball, yeah. my man. Um, and then Jake Fromm. Jake Fromm did complete the only contested deep pass that he got. It was a thirty. The, it was a thirty-yard reception until until the touchdown. Um, but he didn't even get those targets. You know, like he had one versus the Commanders. Like he didn't even get those deep contested targets. Besides a few times, um, with with the Jason Garrett. And then this year, this year he just could not get off the line of scrimmage. Like we want to remember that Eagles that Eagles touchdown at the end of the season. His catch rate went down. In that game, James Bradbury was running routes for him. Um, he just could not get off the line of scrimmage, and it's a shame because they could have really used him. If he was his 2021 self, he would have been wide receiver one on the Giants, and he would have been a very valuable piece. But he was not even close, not even close to that. He was a useless player. The only player on the only wide receiver that was on the roster this year that he deserved to play over was David Sills. And also, he couldn't catch the ball. Like, remember, there were a few 25% times 25 percent catch rate or I remember drop that- rate. I remember that um, that Texans game where we were coming off the bye and we're like, Kenny Galladay, man, one more opportunity, one more opportunity where this wide receiver room is just so bad and you're kind of bad, but you could be somewhat of a helpful piece in it. Yeah, it was the Lions game. It was the second game of Hodgins and they were like, we're no, going to use I him. No, I thought it was the Texans where we were coming off the bye where where – no, it's the Lions game. Force targets to Kenny Galladay because this team is so bad. And then it was like a crosser over the middle of the field where he was wide open and he just dropped it. Yep. And that was basically the last meaningful snap that he played besides a couple blocking and clear out routes. Yeah. So, uh, uh, utter failure. Um, but obviously this was the right decision and it was a decision that we all knew and saw that was coming, Justin. Yeah. So, uh, no... Uh, no dead money on the books for 2024. We're taking our medicine now. I'm a fan of it. Cool. Giants are going to have cap room to do whatever they need to do as long as they kind of extend Daniel Jones in a in a timely manner. Yeah, we'll see. Um, first, this episode was brought, by, uh, brought to you by Mike Carey and Evan Gilmore. Justin, who are these people? Those wonderful people, they went over to patreon.com slash talking giants. They put it in their computer. They put it in their phone and they said, oh, what's this? It's Patreon. I like these guys. I like Bobby Skinner. I like Justin Panic. I can run a 40-yard dash faster than Justin Panic. Thanks for everybody who watched the combine, by the way. And they uh, subscribe for $2 a month plus some other tiers. And then Bobby Skinner is going to send them a message and he's going to be like, hey, where do you live? I'm going to send you some stickers and maggots. And you're like, oh, great. This is where I live. Um, and then twice a month, there's going to be some shirt raffles that you can win. And then Bobby, if you win, Bobby Skinner will message you again. Say, hey, where do you live? What shirt do you want? And then that's how that goes. And you get to hang out with us live while we watch the shows. Patreon.com slash Talking Giants. All right. So Joe Shane did talk. By the way, Brian Dable didn't talk to the media at the Combine, which is. I don't blame him. But that they usually do. I was very surprised when I found out that he wasn't. I don't, I I mean, don't understand. It would have been what's going on with Jones and Saquon? And then he's like, you're going to have to talk to like, I think 75% of Brian Dable's answers is you're going to have to talk to Joe. Yeah, it's just weird that 
I mean, every year since we've been doing this, coaches have talked at at the at the combine. But again, I don't I don't think we're missing out on much because we got Joe Shane's press conference, and again, we didn't we didn't miss out on much. Uh, we Shane didn't Shane didn't say a ton. Like we can talk about some things that he said, read into some things, but there wasn't there was nothing that we I came away from that and was like, ooh, I this is really different. It's just kind of confirming some other things. Is that with Daniel Jones, it talks of like we're gonna have to franchise tag him if we have to, like we're, he's gonna be the quarterback. And just like the end of the season press conference, like we talked about with Jordan Renan, is that with Saquon, it talks about, hey, we got to be willing to have a plan B and walk away, and we we want to get closer. But like, so I, Jones will be the quarterback next year, whether it's franchise tag or a real contract. Saquon is still to be decided. But Rappaport said today that they will franchise tag Saquon if they can get a uh, deal done with Jones. Which I think that's definitely the preferred route. Extend Jones, franchise tag Saquon yeah, Barkley. But the more but the more that I like think about it, and I think I don't know if it was Shane who talked about it, but the more like you think about it, if if they franchise tag Saquon Barkley, is that not the most obvious like you, you we 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 all know what your future is here. And it's not very bright. And I is that like a bad sign to a locker room and a building team and guys that like Saquon that are and I'm talking about guys in the locker room, not talking about fans. Guys in the locker room that root for Saquon, that like Saquon and hey, that could be me one day where the you know that they just franchise tag me and they don't they don't have any plans on extending me or taking care of me as a player. I think possibly, but at the end of the day, it's like, a business. Well, yeah. At the end of the day, it's a business one, and at two, if if you're Dexter Lawrence and say you're going to be in that situation one day, it's like, okay, what 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 am I going to do about it? Am I not going to continue to play well, play hard, and and be the best of myself? You know, um, the only way it's it would really affect them is if they they suck. You know, they go five and and twelve next year, and that's the case. Well, it's like well. Everything sucks because you suck, you know. Yeah. So it just makes things that aren't perfect worse, you know. Like if we go five and twelve, guess what? Brian Dable's all of a sudden we're gonna his answers in the media are gonna suck by everyone's accord, um, you know. Even though he'll say the exact same yeah. thing. So, but specifically for Saquon, it would suck for him. Like let's just say they extend Jones, they franchise tag Saquon Barkley. Saquon Barkley has a. 2021-esque type of season where it's very underwhelming and very disappointing and then he's an unrestricted free agent that would suck for him and i guarantee it would leave a very sour taste in his mouth about the giants because then he's hitting he's hitting the open market with zero momentum or at least if he were to hit it if he were to hit the open market now yeah he may not get 16 million christian mccaffrey money but he'll get probably something close to it so um yeah i mean be be good giants yeah i mean they traded odell who was uh a I've, you know, the guys in the locker room loved. Um, like, did anyone from the 2019 Giants just be like, oh, the, the culture here, like, is making us not play hard, right? And that was with Dave Gettleman, who was horrible at dealing with personalities, unlike right. J- Joe Shane, who goes and talks with these guys. And, sh- I mean, Sh- Shermer was flat out telling guys to, like, stay away, from, just telling guys like Shep to stay away from Odell. I think rightfully so. Um, but nonetheless, like, that's, like, and they, did Shep play hard for Shermer? You know, yeah. that was, you know, did Saquon play hard for sure? Like, everyone played hard for yeah. for those guys, except for maybe DeAndre Baker. But we kind of know he has his own issues. But you're right about, I mean, keep keep winning and everything will be all right. Yeah. Yeah. Lose 11 games in a row like Pat Shermer and everything won't be all right. Janoris yeah. Jenkins, you know, one of our corners is going to start, you know, going at people on Twitter. Yeah. Um. And the deadline for Jones franchise is March seventh at four p.m. So that's Tuesday. Yeah. So we should have we'll have clarity. We should have some clarity on that by Tuesday. Well, we yeah. will have clarity on that by Tuesday. Like we'll yeah. know if if he's gonna get the franchise tag or not. Pretty simple. Rappaport's TV spot uh, that that he tweeted out. We we tweeted out. Uh, made me feel a little bit better. He said that Jones and the Giants are closer to the Ravens and Lamar Jackson. Um, and I think that Shane publicly has been like publicly a little bit more negative, uh, like on purpose and throwing around the term franchise tag and saying in his press conference that 
the franchise tag is not ideal for Daniel Jones and it's not ideal for the team, which both of those things are very much true, but kind of purposely throwing that around. I really do think that we're going to start hearing more positive things around the fifth and hopefully the sixth. And I do think we're going to get a Daniel Jones extension by the seventh. I don't know. It's just the reports are that like, like you said, there's some hope from them, but the reports are so that they're so far apart like that, that Jones camp. And they just basically started negotiating with this new agency. Like how much are they going to be willing to go down? Like, I think this comes down to how much is the Daniel Jones camp willing to go down? Yeah. Because I think the, I think giants and Joe Shane have put themselves at like, this is, this is not, this is the number that we are not going past or we're franchise second. Yeah. And that's where the giants have the leverage. So I hope Jones goes down and he, I think he honestly, I don't, I don't see how they can sit there and, and, and say that no, we're not. We are not signing for anything else in this because then guess what? He's going to have to do the franchise tag, and that's again that makes it harder for you to get a long term contract. You know, with a team that's probably not going to improve the offensive around him by uh, by met you know huge metrics next year. Especially fact, if they franchise a tougher tag. schedule, he probably was going to throw a couple more interceptions. You know, it's it's not going to be as you know it's it's not going to it's not like this offense is going to be revamped over one season. So. They're playing. They're. I think they're playing a dangerous game by if they're willing to go on the franchise tag. Oh, it's a very dangerous game because I mean I was wrong and we were both wrong about projecting Daniel Jones's chances of being the quarterback in two thousand for the two thousand twenty three season. So I say this knowing that I was wrong there, but I mean, what? How much is Daniel Jones really going to elevate his status as an NFL quarterback in terms of how he's seen playing on the franchise tag. Because it it would be like different sports, but it's basically just an Aaron Judge type move. No, I'm declining the contract that you're giving me now. I'm going to play on whatever salary I'm given to hope that I can improve my market, improve my value. I don't know if if Daniel Jones is going to go from a $38 million quarterback or a $36 million quarterback, whatever the Giants are offering, to this $40-plus million quarterback while on the franchise tag, while the Giants probably won't be able to drastically improve the team around him anyway. So it is a very dangerous – it's a dangerous game for him. Because if if he plays at the same level, they get back to the playoffs and aren't, you know, super contender. Like, then you you, – if you play – if he plays at the same level, it's a win, Right. Because the cap's going to go up another $20 million. You're like, all right, we're more consistent. You know, a couple of years of consistency. Um, you know, there's after two years of it, there's probably more teams around the league. You can't franchise. It'd be dangerous to franchise tag him again. So he does have some leverage, but I think it's in everyone's best interest, like Joe Shane said, to get a deal done. Yeah. Um, I agree. Anything else from that presser that you want to hit on? Uh, these are such tiny points, but I feel they're worth mentioning. Uh, Joe Shane talked about uh, during the portion where he was talking with Paul Dottino and John Schmelk, interior linebacker and interior defensive line are thin draft classes this year, and interior linebacker has been a position that's been thin the last few years. You know, hey, maybe that's a little nod that the Giants are going to look to upgrade interior linebacker via free agency. Um, and I also kind of like that he said that because I, I think you and I would both kind of agree with that because the Giants right now should be looking for a Mike linebacker, not for just a big, fast safety that, sure, they can fly sideline to sideline, but they need a guy that could stop the run. Yeah, I can see their one free agent, like, you know, free agency signing that they put some decent money into being a linebacker. You know, that's a position where if you sign a guy in free agency, I don't don't think you're going to see a guy have a huge fall off. You know, in fact, linebackers kind of get better up until those 30-year-old years. Like Blake Martinez was signed and became a better player with the Giants. Um, You know, so looking for a guy that fits what they do. Um, But obviously, linebacker is going to be something that they spend. Maybe maybe they'll, they'll get really crazy and go for an Edmonds type guy. We'll see. Um, but that's that's all to be seen. Anything else from it before we go into the safety review? Two two things. Uh, he talked a lot about wide receiver separation and emphasizing wide receiver speed. So yeah, it's not a it's not a shocker that Joe Shane values separation and speed. Every GM should. But so here's the kind of the, the the crux of it. Here's the quote: We don't put anyone in a bucket because they lack height. If they have separation skills and speed in our system, that gives them versatility. If they can separate, we'll find a way to utilize them. Um, we know that they're willing to press the spam button on the shorter guys, the shorter slot guys, because they did it in Buffalo. 
Um, and they may do it here in New York as well. They value separation, but really that like this quote, for whatever reason, Bobby, it just brought me down this rabbit hole of thinking why they don't like Darius Slayton and why they wanted to trade Darius Slayton over the summer, despite, you know, they were playing David Sills and Marcus Johnson over Darius Slayton at certain points this year. Like, Darius Slayton's bottom of the barrel and wide receiver separation, but that's because he just qualifies. He Because he gets so many targets, he qualifies for those metrics. So um, despite him having the speed, he doesn't separate. I don't know, man. Um, it brought me down a rabbit uh, hole thinking about Slayton for some reason. I, I, I don't really relate to Slayton at all. I mean, he was talking specific. The question that he was asked by the caller was, does Wandale stop you from going after some shorter guys? And he basically said no. Um, so I, I, it, to me, it makes me think about a guy like Zay Flowers out of Boston College, who, like, basically, like, shorter guys who can play outside, who can be outside wide receivers. Like, Tyreek Hill's a short guy. He brought up Tyreek Hill specifically. Tyreek Hill's a short guy. He's not a slot wide receiver. Well, now, Wandale is a slot only. But a guy like Zay Flowers, who's not a slot only shorter wide receiver, he's someone who can be added to this team. You know, I think Antonio Brown was what? Five foot ten? So, I view it as that. And and I it 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 makes me spend a lot more time on a guy like if this was a different GM and didn't and and a different coach who didn't have a history of using more resources on shorter wide receivers I might not put too much emphasis on like let's look at these shorter guys but because of their history I'm looking at at guys like Zay Flowers a lot more than I probably usually would um if, on a team that just drafted Wandale Robinson in the second round uh, so. That's basically what I got out of it. Like I, I didn't, I don't, I didn't really relate it much to Slayton at all. Yeah, right on. That's awesome. That's super helpful. Um, and then the in, there was an interior offensive line comment where it it kind of did shock me. I didn't like fully know this. The Giants have like thirteen or fourteen guys under contract next year already on the roster. Um, at the interior O line, uh, Joe Shane also did say that Feliciano and Nick Gates they're going to be talking to both of their agents this week to see if maybe they can bring one or both of them back. Um. You know, he did say that just be, there's going to be healthy competition. He kind of did slate Mark Lewinsky in at right guard, which isn't super exciting, but you understand from a financial standpoint why he slated in at right guard. But he also did say that just because they have 13, 14 guys under contract does not mean that that will stop them from upgrading. Um, he mentioned specifically free agency. Yeah, I, I don't see them going in. I don't think people are realize that they're not going to put a ton of emphasis on interior offensive line. There's, I don't, there, I, I'm, I'm pretty confident there's not going to be anyone that's paid more than five million dollars uh, a year in free agency on the interior offensive line. I'm pretty confident of that, like you said, Mark Lewinsky, whether we like it or not, is slated to start at right guard. Uh, center, I think they're comfortable by not having the best guys in the world there. Maybe they fall in love with the guy that they can take in the second round, but don't be, don't expect it. And then a Zudu, like they just drafted a Zudu with a top of the third round pick, they are invested in him, and and rightfully so. Like, I'm invested in Azudu. We talked about which guys were most excited to come back from injury. Mine is Azudu. Cause that's a guy who has all the traits to be a great guard and actually showed some in-season growth before his neck injury. Uh, and then, like you said, you have guys like Ben Bredesen. Um, you know, you've got, you've got some depth. They drafted McKeith. And so I, I'm not expecting a ton of investment there. Not to say that there won't be like two guys drafted in the fourth and fifth round, but I'm not, I am, I am not expecting an interior offensive line drafted in the first two rounds or anyone brought in and free from free agency who's over $5 million average annual value. Yeah, part of part of me wants them to take one in the top 100 just because it's a position. You talk about this all the time. It's a position that you should just be drafting. And at least from the senior bowl, there was a ton of guys that we seem to like. And it's not and it's we're not talking about guys like Zion Johnson and Kenyon Green, who they're top cream of the crop guys of like the entire draft class that are taken in the first round. These are guys that are kind of spread out, you know, throughout, you know, maybe day two, early day three. So um, I would like them to draft an interior offense alignment with somewhat of a high valuable pick just because you should be doing that. But it may not happen. And it is kind of crazy. And this is credit to Joe Shane, by the way. How I mean, I could see it in the top one hundred. I just don't see it in the top sixty. And they have okay. three they have two picks between ninety and hundred. So I'm I wouldn't I would Yeah, I'm not expect I'm not gonna say I expect any position, but not surprised if they pick anyone in the top hundred. I would be surprised if they pick someone in the top sixty. Okay, that's fair. And credit to Joe Shane because last year, I mean, how many healthy offensive linemen did we have this time of the year? 
Oh yeah, they they had nobody, and they added a lot of guys. You know, they even cut guys who were starting games in the NFL, like Max Garcia. Um, you know, and Ben Bredesen had had some real improvement. So yeah, I mean, they added. You know, license plate guy had the you know the nine man joke. They added nine offensive linemen. Yeah, and they have a lot of them under contract, and none of them are like I guess besides Glowinski and you know hey Evan Neal develop not we're we're not really going into the season next year saying we really can't afford to start this X player at this position which is credit to Joe Shane No I mean if you if you run back the exact offensive like I mean I they almost have like a problem of like who starts Bredesen or or Azudu Yeah like they they're they're they are not thin at this group. They're not great at this group, but they depth is not an issue. Like they have a like training camp battles podcast. First day of training camp, one of my favorite podcasts of the year. Number one is left guard Azudu versus Bredesen. You could even or, make an argument that uh, do, that Bredesen could slide over to center. I was just gonna say that, or they get crazy and move Bredesen to center and use Gates as depth or Feliciano as depth. Um. You know, I liked whoever they put at center to just let that guy be a center and not be the backup guard as well. Um, but we'll see. All right, Justin. DraftKings. I freaking love these guys so freaking much. What's better than watching the NBA action? Being a part of it. With DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, you can tap into all the excitement with the click of a button. New customers can place $5 on any pregame Moneyline bet and get $150 in bonus bets if your team wins. Plus, for a limited time, all customers can get uh, can score a no-sweat same-game parlay every day. Every day? No sweating? Go to the app, opt in, and place the same-game parlay on, NBA, on, on any NBA game. If it doesn't hit, you'll get a bonus bet back. I love it. I love it. Uh, don't bet on the Nets. We're broken. I'm broken inside, and we're dead. Um, and bet on John Morant to keep that thing on him. Download the app now and sign up with – you know what? Bet on mm. – the Lakers are kind of a mess, even though they – bet against the Mavs. That's what I'll say. Just bet against the Mavs. Download the app now and sign up with code WORLD. New customers can place $5 on any pregame money line – bet and get $150 uh, $150 in bonus bets if your team wins. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook app with code WORLD. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. In Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. You'll mm. be glad you did. You'll be glad you did. Alright, Justin. Let's do the safety review. Let's do the safety dance, which is always the... Uh, anyways, let's do the, let's do the safety review. Let's do the safety review. I kind of think we got to start with Julian Love, though, not McKinney. Even though McKinney's kind of the more valuable piece, was, you know, captain of the defense. I think we got to start with Julian Love, right? Yeah, I mean, he played over a thousand snaps for the Giants this year. Yeah, played more snaps than any player on the team. Like, played a couple hundred on special teams for a guy, you know, that was, you know, played the most snaps. He played the most snaps on defense and then played a couple hundred on defense. Uh, 25 years old, 5'11", 195 pounds, unrestricted free agent. We talked about that in the pending free agent episode about what to bring him back on, so save it for that. First year as a full-time starter. Led the team in tackles with 124. He had six tackles for a loss, a sack, two interceptions um, versus the Ravens and the Cowboys. And he played deep 49% of the time this year, which uh, he did that most of the time in 2020, but he also that was probably the least amount of playing time he got was 2020. Or at least safety time. Played a lot of corner that year. Um, in the box, 32%. Nickel, 15 And wide, 4 um, Justin, we talked about him coming into this year as a guy who, who's solid. And he can put him at different places. Um, and that's what he was for the Giants. Like, when McKinney went down, he became the deep safety. You know, he was playing deep a little bit with McKinney. But he got a lot of box reps. Um he didn't miss tackles. Like he, you know, he's third for all safety uh, safeties and tackles. Uh, you know, he had a five point five missed tackle rate, and he was a solid run defender. But Justin, I don't think he was a playmaker as a run defender. Like you know, he wasn't like getting one two yard stops. Like when you compare him to a guy like Jabril Peppers, like Peppers was a playmaker in the run game, um, and the pass rush game too, and and did some good things in coverage, uh, whether people want to believe it or not. Uh, you know, Pep was just a much better player than Love to me. 
but he was solid. Like again, he's a solid run defender, but we needed some type of we needed some playmakers from the second and third level in the run game, and Love wasn't that. And then when he was put to more of a deep role, even when McKinney came back, they were playing two high safeties. Um, so then he's just filling, you know, filling the alley, and those aren't going to be big difference making plays. Um, but so there, there just wasn't as as many plays I want to be made. Although he did have six tackles for loss, which I think was top ten for safeties too. Yeah, it's six tackles for loss. That's the most in his career. He was tied for eighth in run stops among all safeties in the National Football League. Um, already talked about how he registered over a thousand snaps for the Giants. He's rarely ever struggled with an injury. Granted, this is his first year starting. Um, Bobby, here's my question. Because now this year, and it's a shame that you know uh, he didn't really get a chance to play in the box more because Xavier McKinney broke his hand, so he had to play way more free safety and way more deep safety than I think even he would like. Well, they even McKinney tried to play down. another person at free, and it just never worked out. You know. Yeah, but this is also—I mean—it's credit to Julian Love that even when you put him at free safety, it's not a disaster. It's not Antoine Bethea 2019 disaster, but it's not—it's not great. Um, but you do have bad moments of big plays, right? And that's the Eagle up. game, yeah, like the Eagle game with Devontae Smith. That's terrible on on fourth down. That's like yeah, the end of like, that game. Like when you see McKinney at playing deep safety, there's a big difference in those guys. Like there is a huge, huge difference in those two guys uh, playing deep safety. Yeah. Like where where Love is not going and getting his hands on a bunch of balls, McKinney does, um, especially when you play too high, which is when Julian Love started playing deep was from those two high looks. Um, you know, so I, I don't know what they are going to value him as, and the NFL is going to value him as. As a guy who's really only been a starter for one year, obviously he's had spot starts throughout, and a, a valuable player. You need guys like Julian Love on your team, but I don't know if you need to pay Julian Love right. like a top 15 safety yeah. on your team. Before, before I talk about that, I want to just ask you, because 2019, he was that playmaker in the run game. He had five tackles for loss, what, in like four games? It was insane, the plays that he was making in the run in 2019. What was he doing in 2019, if you remember this? What was James – what did – yeah, it was James Betcher. James Betcher. What a, what a world. Uh, what was James Betcher having him do filling in for Jabril Peppers those final four games of 2019 where he made all those plays against the run and he looked like an awesome box safety – where this year he finally got back to that role at somewhat of a full-time basis, especially early in the year, and it wasn't the same. So what Betcher did, one, with Betcher, you had three really good defensive linemen in Leonard Williams, Dalvin, and Dex. Dex obviously was a rookie, but he was still really good as a rookie. Um, and they would truly stack the box almost every play. And it, and it wasn't like... There's less counter plays, the less thinking, and it was just like, hey, sh- shoot a gap and go. Like, play your gap, shoot it, and let, and he let his lead. Betcher, if there's one thing he did well, is he'd stop the run well. Like, they were top five in, run, in yards per carry, stopping the run that year, even though they were the 30th ranked defense in the NFL. Um, so Betcher just kind of let them shoot their gaps and go. And he put less responsibility on love than he did a guy like Jabril Peppers, where there's more coverage responsibilities for Jabril Peppers, where love was kind of play the flats. And I can't believe it feels like yesterday, even though it was so long ago, 2019. And he was able to just shoot gaps and go, which, which when Wink has you up in the box, it's part of, you know, an elaborate run fit and we're blitzing. So you got to replace this guy and you may, you know, have the two gaps. So there's a lot more responsibility that, that Wink is going to put on that safety. Whereas Betcher's just like, Hey, this is your gap. Play it fast and go. Yeah, man. And I want to save this talking point with McKinney because I I went back to our PPP notes with McKinney and there was a certain phrase that we used about preventer or playmaker. What are you going to be? I don't, who, let me ask you this, just about Wink Martindale's defense. Who was the playmaker in Wink Martindale's defense? Like, what is it What is it set up to be? Is it set up to be the edge rushers making those tackles for loss? It, it's, it's set up for the corners? Yeah, so, I mean, it's why we have a, such a low completion rate against them. You know, it's why, like, guys like Peters and Humphrey did well under him, where it's like, hey, you get to, you get to play aggressive. Now, the last quarter of the season doesn't even count under a Wink defense because it wasn't Maybe it, maybe it is what we see in the future, but it was truly like one of these two high systems. Yeah. Um, 
but in the single, it's it's the corners. I mean, we had the lowest completion percentage uh, against us in the NFL. Now, we didn't have any interceptions because you really didn't have those guys at cornerback, but you did see corners get those interceptions in past years with the Ravens. Um, you know, so, I mean, and it's kind of set up for a linebacker to be that star if they had a, a great right. linebacker. Right, it, it, it feels like that too. It, feel, it feels like it's linebacker because of how often they fail. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. know, if if they're put in a position to succeed or fail, and they mostly fail, let's get a guy in there that can hopefully succeed. So, 2019, it was very set up for a player like Julian Love to be in the box and to make plays and to really stuff the stat sheet. 2021, it was very set up for a guy like Xavier McKinney to stuff, stuff the stat sheet with interceptions because they were having him play. Uh, two high safety quarterbacks were targeting him. He would run over, make a play, make an interception. Boom, that's box score stuff. Your value goes up. So... Can I say this, though? If McKinney played the box more like Love got to, McKinney would have done better. Like, McKinney, when he did play in the box, was our best linebacker. Like, McKinney was really good playing in the box. So, I'm actually down on McKinney in some different areas than most people are. Um, People look at, oh, we didn't get any interceptions this year, um, which we can talk about. It's just, like, Love is not a great playmaker. He's a solid player, but he's not really great at anything. Which we knew that heading into the season. Which is not a bad thing. No. It's just now he's an unrestricted free agent. What are we what what's happening now? Yeah. Because we talked we talked about it in our in his PPP that you need Julian Love on your team. Great teams have guys have like multiple guys like Julian Love on their team. You know, we talked about Dane Belton on his PPP. He's like, what do we want out of his career? We want him to be a Julian Love. That's a successful this is a successful uh, pick if he has a Julian Love career. So it's it's sometimes it's it depends on the tone of the conversation, but because he's an unrestricted free agent, the tone of the conversation could be a little more negative with love because it's like okay, but what are we what are we paying this guy in the open market? Right, right. Um, you, the fra- the phrase that I keep going back to this offseason is is you got to pull hairs. You got to pull hairs when you talk about paying guys, extending guys, whatever you the case split may be. Hairs too. Is it pulling hairs or splitting hairs? I, I think I'm getting hairs. that. Yeah, I'm a, such a fucking idiot. I swear to God. Uh, <laughs> That's a Rickyism. Um, I'm more like him than I than I know. Let's let's do McKinney. It, don't worry, it's water in the fridge. Let's do Xavier McKinney. 23 years old, six foot, 201 pounds. One year left on his contract. Man, it's crazy how time's flying by with these kids. I remember when I was, you know, just a boy. He only played nine games this year because he freaking had a 40, four-wheeler accident. 45 tackles, two tackles for a loss, a sack, and five passes defended. Played deep 58% of the time, the box 32%, and then 10% at corner. He played majority deep except for two games this year and for including the playoffs. What were those two games, Justin? R- repeat. Maybe repeat high high point and low point for him. Wait, re- he, repeat he played, the he played. He only played the box more than deep uh, two games this year. Name the games. Um, the Panthers. Panthers was one. That was about as high as we like. McKinney was awesome in that game. Yeah. All right. What other teams do we play? Why do in, include playoffs? Not, it's, it's not. It's not. It's not the Titans. It's um, the Eagles in the playoffs. The Eagles in the playoffs. Where that was he my played next, horrible. That was my guess. Where Dallas Goddard worked him. Where they. Mm. Those were two games where we're like, hey, you are. This is your matchup. His matchup was Dallas Goddard. Dallas Goddard won it. <laughs> funny. Funny story pan- about Dallas Goddard. Funny story about Dallas Goddard, South Dakota. Uh, punch him in the face. Chris McCaffrey, on the other end, it was one of his best games where he just totally shut down McCaffrey, one helped stop the run, and made him a zero in the receiving game. Like he was, he had no impact in the receiving game. So, McKinney, we knew coming into this year that he wasn't going to get a lot of interceptions. Like he had five in 2021, and we put the over under at three and a half, and we both said under, and people were mad at us. But it's like this—he's not going to get those opportunities in the Wink Martindale defense because they're playing so much single high. Um, and we saw that like he was not getting his hands on a bunch of passes. He didn't have you know he didn't have any interceptions, and it's not like he had any drop interceptions. But here's how you know McKinney is still the player, the same player, is that. When he did come back from that injury and the Giants all of a sudden were this too high safety team, McKinney was getting his hands on passes. You know, even though one hand wasn't very working properly because of the mm. ATV accident. Um, you know, like he had in those three games, he had three pass def- uh, uh, d- passes uh, deflected. You know, he had uh, 
you know, seven um, and and seven total for the season in, in eleven games when you include the playoffs. Uh, and again, those last three games were in those two highs, and he was making plays on the ball. You know, how did the Vikings game end? It ended with an Xavier McKinney tackle and man coverage on TJ Hawkinson. Like he went, besides the Dallas Goddard game, whenever he was putting man coverage on the guy, he was good. When he was playing in the box, he was the Giants' best bo- uh, uh, box, was their best linebacker. So besides the Eagles game, McKinney did play really well this game, but like we said, he's not going to put up the flashy numbers in this defense. Because again, he's more—he was more of a preventer than he was a playmaker. Remember how we were talking about Fabian Moreau is a shutdown corner? He was ranked fifth shutdown corner by this website yeah. because he's not giving up. Guess what? A lot of that had to do with Xavier McKinney being in the yeah. lineup. Then Xavier and, McKinney goes out, and Fabian Moreau starts to get cooked when he's out, and Fab- and you know we we lose and then all Adore the too, and it was just yeah. like the yeah you know. Like a lot of that had a lot of that had to do with Xavier McKinney making plays over the top and shading over to that side. Um, so McKinney is still a really good player, but he's not going to have the numbers. And here's where I'm going to tell you what bothers me about McKinney. And this stuff doesn't matter if you play great. He kind of annoys me as a person. The four wheeler thing was really stupid. It was really dumb, and it was dumb to come back and be combative. When you got asked about it and, and act like it, it was a baller for you to be asked about this. You know, like you put yourself in a bad situation. You put the Giants team in a bad situation. There's an argument that they win more games if you don't get in that injury. That Dallas game is completely different. And the Giants do not tie against Washington if Xavier McKinney plays. Agree. So th- there's, those are, you know, those are games that matter. He was the captain of the defense. You know, they cut Logan Ryan to give Xavier McKinney this huge role. There was two touchdowns this year where there wasn't 11 guys on the field. And you see McKinney counting and saying, oops, oops, didn't count the guys in the huddle. You know, where's this guy? And you may hate Joe Judge and Patrick Graham. He's given multiple interviews shitting all over them. And to me, if there's one player who doesn't, shouldn't do that, it's Xavier McKinney. Oh, yeah. Because if that coaching staff's still here, you're getting paid big time money. Patrick Graham let you, they put peppers on the bench to let you battle through your struggles at the beginning of 2021 to let you play all the snaps and then let you to grow into an awesome player that where you were, where you were leading safeties and interceptions, top five and, and passes defended. You know, in your second year where you, where you missed the first year, you know, they gave you a role in the first year coming back from the broken foot after they signed Logan Ryan as a third safety, you know, put you over a guy like Julian Love, um, even though Love is playing some corner there. And again, there's nothing on this that goes, ooh, this is going to be a problem, but it does put up little red flags in my head being like, okay, what, you know, could you, could there be an issue at one point? But at the same time, you're not gonna have cookie cutter guys on your team. You're gonna need you know, like, there's there's nothing that worries me. I don't think he's gonna be a, a guy that. I don't know. We'll see. He's I mean, he's he, been he young and he's know. missed a lot of games. So he has to know. Well, I mean, first uh, he he yeah he did miss a lot of games because I forgot about the injury during his rookie year. Um, but he did have a pretty solid Ironman streak going of playing a lot of consecutive snaps before he got hurt which is a shame. That's all self-induced. But if he's going to be happy playing under Wink, he has to know that he's not he going to have was, the numbers. He, he has to know that he was going to have more production under a system like Patrick Graham than a system like Wink Martindale. And I don't know if it's just, oh, this coaching staff is in the building, so I'm not going to bad talk him, but he seems to like playing under Wink. He seems to enjoy that more. He seems to like having the green dot. So, he, again, he has to know that the numbers aren't going to be there for him. So if he's happy. But that matters right. when it comes to contract time. Yeah, so eventually maybe he won't be happy. But it, that's why it's weird. So. It's very weird. We'll see. But in the four-wheeler thing, just it really did bother me. Like, it was to – you're on a bye week, man. Like, do we get all these huge warnings of be careful, man. Don't put yourself in stupid situations. Um, They also beat Minnesota the first time, too, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, Justin Jefferson, eh, we'll see. 
I don't know. I don't want to go back and do every game. But yeah, they are clearly a much better defense with Xavier McKinney. Is, yeah. is, well, cause we'll, we'll talk about it with Jason Pinnock, who we're going to talk about next. That being said, McKinney come back healthy, be a great player for the Giants because you have all the ability to world. And when you were on the field, you were a really good player for the Giants besides one playoff game. Justin, talk to us about something. I'm going to talk to you about something. We have a couple players that left that we got to do. Jason Pinnock, honestly, one of my favorite players on this Giants team this year in general. Uh, we got to talk about SeatGeek first. Today's episode is sponsored by SeatGeek Baseball. Wow, it's back. And to celebrate, SeatGeek is giving a special offer to our fans. Use code JOMBOY PRESEASON. Special offer, special promotion that we're running all before the baseball season starts. So use code JOMBOY PRESEASON for 15% off your order, whether you are a first-time buyer or not. That's kind of huge. 50% off your first order, your order, whether you are a first-time buyer or not. If you don't know what SeatGeek is, they're a ticketing app that makes buying tickets super simple. SeatGeek puts tickets from all over the web in one place, making buying simple and rates every ticket from 0 to 10. Make sure you're getting a good deal. Green means good, red means bad. So this code works on tickets to anything. It does not matter how many times you've bought tickets using SeatGeek before. John Boy preseason is going to get you 15% off your next order. Go to a concert, go to a baseball game. Um, go to an XFL game. How about that? Don't wait. This offer expires at the end of the month. So open up your phone, add that code to your account, and thank us later. We've got a hookup for you right now. Use code John Boy Preseason for 50% off tickets at Seeky. You'll be glad you did. Bobby, let's talk about Jason Pinnock. Did you see Arch Andre Carter tweet of Yeah. The guy from Art that was that that was a pretty I I don't I don't think Art was I think Art was Joking, but that was a pretty hilarious tweet, and the reaction to it was hilarious, too. Um, That was something like either three-year Letterman or Nick Adams would tweet. Yes, it was. It was. If you don't know what it was, it was Andre Carter out of Army. It's here at the Combine. A lot of guys have red flags. Andre's flags are red, <laughs> white, and blue. And I was just, like, that was truly... That was, I mean, that was a hilarious tweet. I loved it's it. Wonderful. I spent I spent time looking at the replies and all the quote tweets of it. Cause like this is like the and it's just, it's just great setup for Twitter. All right, let's talk about Jason Pinnock. I'm saying that because Andre Carter had some bad testing. Um, Jason Pinnock, 23 years old, six foot, 200, uh, 201 pounds, played the 12th 12th most snaps on the defense this year. So basically, like the first guy off the bench, if you want to, you know, think of it as 11 starters. Was a waiver claim from the Jets, and what we we both agreed was the best waiver claim they made after fifty three man cutdown day. Um, obviously, when you include Hodgins, like throughout the season, he's not the best one. But fifty three man cutdown day, I thought was the best one. He had forty one tackles, a sack and a half, two tackles for a loss, three pass breakups, and four QB hits. Played uh, the highest percentage of deep safety of anybody on the team. Played deep safety sixty seven percent of the time, box twenty six, and then corner seven percent. Justin, he's an awesome athlete. Like he's the second best athlete on as as from the safety position on the team after Xavier McKinney. He obviously, played corner at Pitt. You know, so it's only his second year of playing safety. The issue is he's just very raw at the position when he's playing deep safety, which he has all the he has all the ability in the world to be a good deep safety. He is just bad at recognizing route. Uh, combinations and is always a second late. He's always a second late to pull the trigger, which I actually did a film breakdown on him um, after we picked him up from the Jets. And it's like you saw the same thing with the Jets when he started a couple games towards the end of the year where it's like, great athlete, can make some plays, but receivers get his hips turned. He's a second you know, a second late to the play and he's not an effective safety even though he has the all the ability to be one. Um, and I think Again, I'm not expecting some huge jump from Pinnock, but he is someone, again, who should be on the team for the next couple of years uh, turning out the rest of his rookie contract and hopefully can turn into a Julian Love-type player. Both guys who move from corner to safety. Uh, I think Love is a little more built up for the box, but Pinnock plays strong in the box too, even though he didn't get a ton of reps for the Giants. You know, that flash for the Jets. Um, and they used him a ton, and he had good production as on those third and long nickel corners would send the blitz. You know, he had, he had two sacks and four QB hits doing it. I know that's not the greatest uh, indicator of playing in the box. But, again, they felt him using that speed, he was able to do stuff like that. So, uh, again, I, I, I think he's a guy who's going to play out the rest of his rookie contract, which is two more years for the New York Giants as a depth piece. 
Yeah, and he he absolutely should. Um, in five in uh, he played a total of fourteen games this year. How many snaps? Uh, four hundred fifty nine. That's way more than yeah. I thought he did. So he played a sneaky amount of snaps. You mentioned the sack number. He had two tackles for loss. He had four QB hits. He had five pressures as well. He was sent on a total of thirty three blitzes. That's more than Xavier McKinney. Xavier McKinney was sent on about. 28 blitzes and fun fact about Xavier McKinney he was only sent on 10 blitzes previously in his NFL career but Jason Pinnock sent on 33 blitzes this year I really like Jason Pinnock 34 solo tackles too and I already said two tackles for loss I really like Jason Pinnock and it is crazy how your you know your film breakdown that you did on him you know heading into the year um, on the Jets is kind of the year that he had he made some plays that are like wow this is some awesome stuff. And I, I especially remember that Washington game, Sunday Night Football. He made some plays that forced four downs. Um, you know, a couple pass deflections, you know, playing deep safety, getting there when the ball arrives, making a play on the ball carrier, making a play on the football, and the ball falls to the ground. So a few, a few different pass deflections. But then also in that same game, gives up a big explosive play to, to Terry McLaurin and yeah. he's trailing and he's trailing in coverage and he's late to recognize things like Bobby says. So I feel yeah. like that's just who Jason Pinnock is at this point in his career. He's going to give you some wow plays, but he's going to give up some explosive stuff too. That's going to make you really, really frustrated, but he definitely should be able to grow. And I hope that he's able to grow in this Wink Martindale scheme and as a New York football giant. Yeah. I mean, there's two plays that stick out to most, the most to me. And again, they're great wide receivers, but like, you got to shut down post routes as a safety. Like, that's a, that's like almost a rite of passage. And again, that Terry McLaurin touchdown. And then Justin Jefferson in the regular season game versus the Vikings, where it's like post touchdown. Where it's like, if that's McKinney, they're not scoring that touchdown there. You know, the the Commanders game, maybe there's a little difference. But again, he was late on. He was late to pull the trigger and recognize that, you know. So, like, McKinney might even stop those throws from even being attempted. You know, let alone being attempted and completed with some with some space. So, but you want he's to talk got about a lot playmaker? of growth to go in his game, but he's like he's fast, man. He's a hell of an athlete. He he can come up and hit you too. Um, so he needs refinement to his game. I don't, I don't, I'm not, I'm never projecting him as a starter on his own merit. Um, you know, where like at with Julian Love, you always felt he could do that. He just was on a team that had good safeties. I don't see Pinnock getting to that, but again, depth matters, and I think Pinnock is a good depth piece. I mean, one of the critiques of Julian Love. You know, again, when we're, um, you know, when we're pulling hairs here, Bobby Skinner, you know, one of the critiques that you, you uh, that we just had of Julian Love is that, oh, he's not making, he's not making as many plays as we would want him to, especially when you talk about if you want to pay him, pay him a little bit of money. I think Jason Pinnock was more of a playmaker for the Giants in terms of big, impactful plays, pass deflections, sacks, tackles for loss on a rate basis. On a rate basis, Jason Pinnock had some more wow plays than Julian Love did. I'm sorry, he did. Yeah, I guess on a rate basis, but Love, I'd say, had his impact plays were bigger. Like the Love is a better player. Ravens, Love is the, a better player. The sack at the end of the – yeah, he is a better player. But yeah, Pinnock, he's, when you're an athlete like that, man, you're going to run into some really good moments, and he was able to do that. It's now it's just refined – again, and he's new – he's only played two years of the safety position. So refine your – Ability to see see the game un- unfold in front of you and shut down plays from happening, and when they do make a throw, being able to you know break up a pass uh, instead of letting you know guys get post route touchdowns too. And it wasn't just those two plays; there was many of others. Um, but he's just got to grow into that. Dane Belton, six foot one, two hundred five pounds, twenty two years old, a fourth round pick, uh, thirty one tackles, a tackle for loss, led the team in interceptions with Julian Love with two. Uh, three passes defended. Uh, played in the box, forty-four percent deep, thirty-six percent. He played a higher percentage at this position than any safety on the team. Corner at twenty and a half percent. Mostly that's in the nickel spot. Obviously, he was getting playing time as the third safety. Justin Xavier McKinney comes uh, goes down. You're like, all right, Belton, you are a starter for the rest of the time, and he was for two games, and then they benched him for Jason Pinnock because. I, they just never, and, and again, even when they benched him for Pinnock, like his playing time went complete. He didn't go back to being the third safety. He was not playing. You know, they were using McLeod as like that de facto third safety slash corner type player. And he, I mean, he got flat out benched after the Lions game. Like he played a handful of snaps after that, uh, if you don't include the week 18 uh, backup game. There was a game uh, where they had him like as a healthy scratch. 
Yeah, like they they did not like what he was doing. And when he, when McKinney went down and he went to the starting role, I think what kind of set it from him is like they didn't feel comfortable playing him from deep in coverage. Like that's where Love had to go play deep uh, and more coverage. Um, you know, we'll remember that Texans game, which was the first game after McKinney was gone. He had that interception. But there was a penalty that got a touchdown taken off the board from the Texans where from two high safeties, Belton got beat to the sideline and they, uh, it was a, either a Nico, I think it was a Nico Collins touchdown that was taken off the uh, board, I think because of a holding penalty. Belton got beat there and then they ran the same exact play. Belton gets there, makes the interception. And then also from the run game. Like, he came and filled the, uh, like, they allowed some big plays. Like, Damian Pierce had some big explosive runs because, you know, he came down and took bad angles and was able to get beat on those plays. Um, and I think that's why they benched him. And the reason they played him with McKinney and Love was the thing he was good at, Justin, was playing man coverage on tight ends. Like, he's a good man cover safety and that's what we saw from him at Iowa. And he did a solid job as that. But as they went away from playing as much man coverage when you lay lost Adore and McKinney and, you know, started playing Pinnock as a starter with, with uh, Love, they just felt like the box guys like Tony Jefferson were more valuable. If Julian Love walks, are you feeling comfortable with the safety room as is compromised with... Xavier McKinney, Dane Belton being the expectation should be for him to be number two and better than a uh, an August add-on last year, right? So it would be Xavier uh, McKinney, Dane Belton. Expect- Wait, who the- is the expectation to be a number two safety? I think... Like a starting safety is a number... You're talking about a starting, starting next I think to McKinney. If, Ju- if Julian Love walks and they don't add anybody this offseason, right? It would be Xavier McKinney. And at least for me, I would expect the draft pick, Dane Belton to be a starter over Jason Pinnock. That's my expectation for Dane Belton to eventually get there, but I don't I'm not confident in it. I think Jason I mean, Pinnock is a better player. For the draft pick of Dane Belton is to not it's not to be a it's to be kind of like a third safety good depth guy. Okay. You know. Like if they if if Love walks and they don't add someone to this room, you're not feeling great about the safety. I mean, you're feeling great about McKinney, you're not feeling great about the safety room as a whole. Right. So, like, okay, so Julian Love was picked 108. Dane Belton was picked 114. Dane Belton's not the same player that Julian Love is, and he won't be. Like, he's not, he doesn't play aggressive when he is in the box, even though he's got the build and stature to play in the box. Um, not great change of direction, so you don't feel great playing him from deep. I mean, he's really kind of that star defender where you put him at nickel corner and put him in man coverage against tight ends. When teams are going light, light, when they they want to play from these these light formations, you feel that's where you feel good with him. Putting him like between the slot wide receiver and the and the tight end when he's in line, and when you flex the tight end out, putting him in man coverage on there, and he's good at that. Like he is good at that role, and that's why we had a favorable view of him before McKinney got hurt. But when he was put into a bigger role and had to do had more responsibilities, he really struggled. How old is he? Twenty two. All right, that's young. Grow, get better. Because right now, I, I, I was, I didn't like the draft pick at the time, and I'm, I'm going, I'm, pro- I probably still have like my pre-draft bias against Dane Belton, um, and I'm probably putting a little too much expectation on him because I just, I want, I want him to be good. But I'm, I'm, I wasn't thrilled with the rookie year. I wasn't thrilled that they flat out just benched him when they needed him. They needed him last year and they just flat out benched him and he was not involved in a defense that desperately needed some sort of safety help. I just think Pinnock was a better player and then they started using McLeod in the role that Belton was playing before. Yeah. And that again, that just doesn't make me feel good about Dane Belton's future because this is Nick McLeod who was, you know, cut from another team in training camp signed to the Giants and then Jason Pinnock cut from another team during training camp signed to the Giants. Yeah, I, I don't think anyone should feel great about Belton, but rookie year, so you know, let him grow and, and see yeah. what he can turn into. And he's not he's not going to turn into some like he's not going to have he turn into a Julian Love, but if he can be a notch below, then he's a guy you keep around. 
Let's not even do Tony Jefferson. I'll just read. Tony Jefferson, 31 years old, 23 tackles, got hurt, then came back. Only He only played as the big dime box linebacker. Um, he did do his co- coverage responsibilities very well. Like, he was kind of perfect in them, even though they didn't ask much out of him. So we'll see if he's back. Wink Martindale likes him. Good guy. Anything else, Justin, before we end this episode? Tony Jefferson, good guy. Love you, Tony. That's an episode. We'll be back on Tuesday. Some combine wrap-up. We'll see what else we might have. Maybe we'll have some news, some contracts. Eventually, we're going to have like a Daniel Jones franchise tag, contract conversation, Saquon contract, franchise tag, walk conversation. Eventually, that's going to happen. I'm so ready for it to happen. I'm tired of talking about it might happening and when it's going to happen. Eventually, that will happen. And Talking Giants will be there for you when it does. So we appreciate you guys. We will see you on Tuesday. Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy the combine. Until then, let's go Big Blue.